Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Dungeons and Diapers. It is I, Croft and Steers, one of the hosts of the past 98 episodes. And guess what? I'm one of the co-hosts of episode 99 as well, along with the gentleman who's been with me this for this entire ride. I'm talking, of course, of Ryan Murphy. Ryan, how are you? This is his first strike. Hi, hello, I'm here. I'm ready to record a podcast. I've been here for 99 episodes. I think in the future, uh, 99, we're going to take away the soundboard from you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, it's funny, like, when you when you think of the soundboard, there's really only, like, two or three clips that have sort of existed outside of their initial run. There's the one I just played. There's this one. Skeptical face. And... That's about it. Those are the two that I think, oh, wait, 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 wait. There's, there's also this Bye, one. I'm Emember, I'm Kaden. Bye, I'm Emember, I'm Kaden. Yeah. Which we still have not gotten to the bottom of because I... Well, Ryan, we're going to get to the bottom of it in episode 100, are we not? I, I think that's the idea. Like, that, that is the... That is, that is, that is going to happen. Because here's the thing. Every time uh, uh, I look at the calendar, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to record Dungeons and Diapers tonight. And I haven't had time to uh, sit down in front of the computer with Caden in a quiet-ish environment to play the clips for him, for him to react. Um, so over the next three weeks, because we are going to have a, a little bit of an extra delay before our next episode. So in three weeks, over the next three weeks, I will find time to sit down with Caden and we will sort this out. Just to be clear for some listener who's just jumping in on episode 99 that clip that clearly says by I'm your number one Caden Ryan actually thinks it says something else he thinks it says by remember I'm Caden uh, or something like that and so Caden himself Ryan's son is going to sort this out for us hopefully next episode now I know what you're all thinking Ryan's going to try to convince him to go along with his misguided view of what Caden actually said and that's likely true uh but there is a chance that Caden will surprise us all and be like obviously I said I'm your number one Caden I also think it would be really funny Ryan if Caden's voice has somehow matured <laughs> astronomically <certainly> has. <laughs> since he recorded that and he's like hey guys what's up and we're like whoa Caden geez what happened yeah I said uh I said I'm your number one Caden that's obviously it come on dad uh, but uh, we will see. I'm excited. And uh, also for episode 100, I was hoping to get maybe Gwen's thoughts on Tears of the Kingdom uh, or something like that. We can have like a couple of kid clips in there, make the episode a little bit special. Because, yes, as Ryan mentioned, you're going to have to wait for it. It's going to be a bit longer. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a bigger gap, but hopefully we will make it worth your while. Listeners, if there's something that you would like out of our uh, 100th episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Please send us a message, dad at tgistudios.com. We would love to be able to reflect stuff that you would like to see in the episode, and we have time to do it. So let us know. But Ryan, 99, even though there is no normal episode of Dungeons and Diapers, this would be the closest um, that I could think of. But before we go into the dungeons, we have a, a new segment. Um, Ryan, do, do you want to do the honors? I know you want to press the button. <laughs> yeah, I'm hovering. Joke Watch 2023. <laughs> 
Joke Watch. This is the chronicle of Crofton becoming or trying stand-up comedy. So I've wanted to try stand-up comedy my, essentially my entire life, I guess. And now I am a father in his 40s. I have not done it. And so I'm, I'm looking to do it. And so uh, to keep me honest, because it's very easy to say you want to do it and never do something, I've asked that we have a recurring segment in this show. So Ryan, do you want to ask me any questions? Uh, sure. Did uh, so you? So I think you teased this out a bit on Twitter, but you uh, you went to an open mic, and and you just kind of get a feel for it, right? Like how how did that go? So I did go to an open mic with a guy named Mike and a guy named Bo, oh. and we and we just sat down and we watched it this Monday at Absolute Comedy Club in Ottawa. We went to an open mic and. Um, the 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 reality is that when they say open mic, they mean that like you have to book it weeks in advance and you have to be part of the comedy Illuminati of the area. And, you know, it, you're not going to get paid and there's a few slots and then there's a host that animates the whole thing. He's a stand up comedian. He does a couple of minutes at the top. He introduced each of the comedians. And then there is a main eventer who actually gets paid and is not a traditional open micer. So it it, it was kind of like the big leagues for open mics. And I think all of us, we were kind of, you know, we were only there to watch and, and get a sense of things and 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 see 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 what it was like. But in my mind, Ryan, I had it like karaoke. You know, you go to karaoke night and you can just do karaoke. Like, yes, there's other people that want to do it. You sign up or whatever, and you can do it. But open mics are not like that. They're very gate-kept, which is, I think, probably for the better. You don't want somebody just be, like, half-cocked and half-drunk going up there. Like, hey, what's up? Why did the chicken cross the road? You know, like, they're all they're, they're all people that are into it. And what I recognize now as I'm part of this Ottawa Comedy Facebook group is that there's a lot of people that are constantly on the hunt for open mic spots. Like it's like competition and you have to, they have to know you. Like you have to have attended certain open mics to be able to call spots and, and this and that. And uh, then there's different extensions like if you go to a small pub that has an open mic night might be easier to get a spot than at the absolute comedy club right so it was very much a learning experience and the other learning experience was that god damn it these people were good like they were really good and i mean really polished like well put together all the open micers like like let's be honest some of them were not as funny as others they didn't some, one guy in particular was like you know did not have a great set others and, and pretty good sense, but they were clearly polished and they had clearly done it a lot of times. And I remember we were all talking in the parking lot after and I was like, geez, I don't know about this. And I think I'm comparing myself to somebody who's fully formed, who's done a lot of practice where I've never even done it once. And I kind of want to find a place, a spot, an area to bomb a few times to do it in a really sort of rough environment before standing up under the bright lights of the comedy club in what is ostensibly an open mic night, but is really an amateur comedian's night. You know, I've done it not once once yet and you need like that first one is a big one to get under my belt so i don't even expect next episode i will have done it even though there's the three week but i'm hopeful that like i attend if i attend one comedy show a week make some connections that within a month or so that i'm i'm in a spot where i can 
can can stand up somewhere do 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 a set and meanwhile i'm working on kind of a little bit of a set but we were sitting in the parking lot just chatting afterwards and we're all spitballing jokes off each other and making ourselves laugh a bunch and i think to myself because i'm listening to this podcast called working on it by mike berbiglia who's a stand-up comedy uh, um guy comedian and he's very funny and he's very much a craftsman when it comes to jokes and he sits down with comedians and he talks about like how they come up with concepts and how they come up with jokes and as i'm talking to my friends i realize i have and we have collectively just as good a concepts as a lot of these stand-up comedians do we just don't have the craftsmanship that we need to put it together so i'm looking forward to gaining more experience but the other thing and what ties into this podcast is it's challenging because i'm a dad so i'm a dad that has responsibilities at nighttime that like is putting the kids to bed that like you know can't always count you know uh go out every night or to to cd comedy clubs or bars to to you know stake out the stand-up circuit so i'm still figuring all all that part out but i'm excited i i'm glad that i did something since last time uh, and it and it was a really good time. Like honestly, I laughed super. I laughed super hard. But it did it did make me a little bit like un, it, imposter syndrome, where I'm like, these guys are all so great, and girls are also great. Well, there you go. That's good. Hey, you know what? That's a that's a solid first step, and probably farther than I would have made it. Uh, going out on a Monday night. Going out on a Monday night. Yeah, we established last episode. I closed the bar at ten. I, I don't even want to know what, what time you got to bed on a school night. Come on. Well, uh, see, this is the thing. It's actually not that inconvenient. It's eight thirty. The open mic starts. It's done at ten, right? Who starts anything at eight thirty? That sounds so late. Eight <laughs> thirty? Just kidding. <laughs> we start this yeah. at eight thirty. Sometimes, not always, but uh... that's right. That's right. Anyway, that was my my update. I'll have another one. Maybe maybe it'll even wait till after the ceremonial one hundredth. But like, um, I'm 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 committed to to doing this. I'm excited uh, to do it. If any listeners have done stand up and have tips, I would appreciate them of how to get started, how to break in to an established sort of comedy market when you don't have a ton of time to to dedicate to this. One thing that made me feel better was that a lot, there's about seven stand-up comedians, and I would say five of them were 30s and above, like, and some of them talking about their kids and different things. Like, it was definitely, there's only two that I think were, like, 20s, which is, uh, you know, I thought I was going to get there on a Monday night and be, like, the old man or whatever, but clearly not the case. So, yeah. it, it, that's an interesting point too. I, I just kind of thought about it. Like, you know, when you, when you tell jokes about having kids, I think that's funny for parents because like, Oh, commiseration. It's also funny for people who don't have kids or maybe don't want to have kids. That's like, ha ha, you have kids, you know, that sort of thing. You know, there was one guy that leaned into, but it was his girlfriend's kid and he was leaning into uh, a story about about the kid and stuff. And I was like, you know, obviously I could do a whole set on family friendly. You know, this is I went on a field trip with my daughter this week, you know, joke, joke, joke. Um, uh, and I think that I think that there's comedy to be mine there. But it really is like like I could see Bo, who has no kids and is not really into anything to do with kids when that guy was going on about the kids mike and i who both have kids were laughing bo was kind of like 
lately smiling, but not as into it, right? So it's really you're talking, it's it's the audience that you want to talk to. And 8.30 on a Monday night, you know, you kind of got to gotta be general. I, I, I could see as well that people like, like, I think people like dirty jokes, which is no surprise to humanity. But I'm not like, I'm not a big dirty joke guy. And so um, it is, it, it's going to be, you know, like, it's tricky because they are clearly low hanging fruit. When somebody does a dirty joke, it instantly gets a good good amount of laughter, you know, from the comedy club crowd, which I guess makes sense. So let us go into the regular business. We'll start with the dungeons. Uh, Ryan, uh, I've been talking a lot. Why don't you uh, start us off? Sure. Well, I wanted to start off with something that has uh, me very stoked for November. Uh, and there was a Nintendo Direct just recently. Uh, obviously on the gamers and we're going to talk about it in all of its announcements but there was one announcement in particular that i just wanted to talk about uh and that is the remake of super mario rpg um one of my uh most beloved mario games uh as a kid you know it came out in 96 i remember having to save up uh i had like a glass jar of i think i still have the glass jar somewhere probably yeah it's right up there uh my parents gave me a bunch of stuff like hey we don't want to store this anymore um i remember having it filled with like toonies and loonies uh from like allowances and chores and stuff and for those folks at home who don't live in canada a loony is a dollar and a toonie is two bucks uh why we call it a toonie that's because we call the one dollar coin a loony because there's a loon on it but now that you're all caught up essentially <laughs> i uh bought this like 90 what is probably a 90 dollar snes cart tail end of the uh, of the uh of the system i think it came out probably right before the n64 came out because the 64 was september of 96 was it not or am i i feel like that was, was 96 as well yeah uh, the 64 was 96 as to what month i don't know i believe it was september but now i'm trying to think like did oh yeah there it is it came out in may so so sorry, Super Mario RPG came out in May and then the N64 was like September. So we're talking like three months, four months later, you have a whole new console, a whole new generation of 3D games. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's a beloved game, but it did get kind of overlooked uh, just due to the fact that there was a new system uh, coming out shortly after. But it is a it is a much beloved game, one that Nintendo really hasn't acknowledged since it came out um, because it was uh, developed um, in collaboration with Squaresoft at the time, which is now Square Enix. And because Square Enix owns the the, the original uh, characters in Super Mario RPG, Nintendo really yeah. didn't touch it. So uh, Gino and Mallow are, are those two characters, and, and there's various others as well. Like A lot of the bad guys are all uh, uh, unique creations for the game. And yeah, Nintendo and Square just never really touched it after that uh, because Nintendo went their own way and Square obviously went to Sony and started making, you know, Kingdom, uh, Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, a bunch of Final Fantasies that were exclusive to Sony. And, and we're now seeing that again with uh, Final Fantasy 16. I just say Kingdom Hearts because it's kind of like the um, Sony equivalent of like whatever this was, mashing up yeah. Square original characters with Nintendo characters. Yeah, no, I actually never really thought about that, but that's a really, uh, really good point. Like, it, it, they kind of went, 
you know, they kind of went their separate ways and did their own thing. And Nintendo obviously ran with the Super Mario RPG idea, applied it to Paper Mario. Uh, You have the Mario and Luigi series. Like, there's obviously a lot of Nintendo franchises that wouldn't exist without Super Mario RPG. They didn't do... It is interesting, though, because they never really did a sequel to this game. They they did, as you said, Paper Mario was their next thing, and then they they ran sequel after sequel of Paper Mario, but they never, they never really, like, this, what this was, they never ran a sequel to it. Yeah, and even Paper Mario kind of took the formula and, and ran with it, but then that formula was has never really been the same. Uh, after Thousand Year Door on GameCube, they kind of shifted that franchise to uh, to not be as uh, complex a turn-based game. Although the, I think the Switch version actually came back around on that and, and was more RPG story-focused. Yeah, it had a great story in RPG-type world, but the, the combat was like those... Do you remember those rings? Like there'd be like... Yeah, it had its, to- yeah you're right. It had its own gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and this is the thing, like, um, Nintendo doing a remake of this with Square Enix, it's a big deal. Square Enix is involved in this remake? Uh, so here's the thing. They they are involved. I, I don't know how far they are involved, but they are involved in the sense that they are working with Nintendo in, from a license standpoint, whether... Like we don't like here. Nintendo's also really weird about like who makes what, unless it's like a major franchise, like Zelda or or a mainline Mario. Uh, they usually announce the team that's working on it. But like Nintendo, I think likes to portray this idea that Nintendo's making this game, and what that team is, it doesn't matter. It's Nintendo. But then there are games like Xenoblade Chronicles and whatnot where it's like oh, this is a monolith game. Um. Still sort of a first party title, but but like not like developed by Nintendo. Um, but because this is a licensed thing from Square Enix, I'm assuming there's some involvement, whether it is just a legal agreement to allow Nintendo to remake the game. It could be that uh, the news that has kind of come out since was that the original composer for Super Mario RPG, which I think has like very unique music to it like when you hear that music you immediately think of super mario rpg obviously there are the classic mario tunes that are in there but there's a, it's got its own sort of feel and uh they brought that composer back uh she's working on it and but other than that i don't know who's developing it i just know that they are remaking it in in some sort of cooperation whether it's a legal agreement or you know i they, they didn't really get into those details i mean we only got a two minute trailer it looks like a uh, very faithful remake in the sense that they are uh, bringing forward a lot of the mechanics. They showed some intro levels where Mario is running around, even to the point where like you've got this different look for Mario. Like you've got the you know the 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 non Super Mario look where he's like short. You know he he doesn't have that tall stature to himself and uh, and yeah, like it's just it's one of those things where I just remember so vividly as a kid loving this game and beating like probably it being the first RPG that I ever finished. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I would, I did not play RPGs before this. So it's kind of, it's kind of wild. It's like, it's the first RPG I played. And I think it's the first one that kind of made me think, okay, like I think we can do more of these turn-based RPGs. Um, 
I have this very specific memory as a kid, like after it came out and, 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 uh, I, I finished it. I like for a school, a school project. I, I don't know what grade I would have been in. I, I might've been like maybe grade. Actually, I don't know. I was like nine, I guess. So whatever grade that is. And I think for a project, I, I did like a, like a pitch for a sequel to Super Mario RPG. I think it was Super Mario RPG, the lost star or something. So like the, the first one was, Legend of the Seven Stars. Well, guess what? There's an eight star, and that's the sequel. We're that's what we're doing. And I I remember like sort of drawing this thing out and and pitching this sequel as a project. I don't know how well I did. <laughs> I don't know what grade I got. Uh, uh, they didn't make the game, so I, I must not have been that great. Uh, but yeah, I just um, <laughs> didn't. <make> that. <laughs> Sorry, that's your that's your your benchmark. Nintendo didn't pick it up. No, they didn't. I, you know, like we all we all have our like send a bunch of stuff to corporate type things, and we hope for the best. But sometimes I'd like uh, to think it's because of the legal issues between Square yeah. Enix and Nintendo. They couldn't really get their shit together, so I mean, they couldn't go forward with my idea. But I know that they wanted to. Um, exactly, I, I you will, nailed it. I will say that Super Mario RPG occupies a weird uh, gap in my Super Nintendo knowledge. Like I have it on the Super Nintendo Classic here and such, and uh, but it's funny because I'm uh, being a bit older than you. I had played these RPGs, right, like the Final Fantasy sixes and Chrono Triggers and what have you, and. Um, I, I was feeling, you know, like as you do when you're like a teenager a bit, you know, I was feeling too cool for Mario, like, you know, Mario is kid stuff now, Mm. you know? And, and so I, I didn't, I didn't really get into Super Mario RPG. And what is so funny about the whole Mario is kid stuff thing is the whole world was about to get blown out by Mario 64, you know? And, uh, when, when that came out, like I was, I didn't have a Nintendo 64, but everybody was like, this is the craziest thing ever. You know, like I was just, it was just so, you know, it was so amazing. And I think of all the great times I've had with Mario since then. But for a brief moment in time there, near the end of the SNES's life cycle, I was like into, you know, games, older kid games, like older. And so I missed Super Mario RPG. And then I tried to play it one, uh, like I think on an emulator one time and then on on the Super NES Classic. And as you said, like hasn't, like I think that if you have nostalgia goggles on, the graphics actually are pretty good for the Super Nintendo. Um, but uh, but yeah, like when we, we were, I I watched the direct with the girls, and um, you know it starts off that trailer with like Peach in pixel like form sitting and sitting down, and then this light going around, and then she turns into like new version Peach. And when that transition happened, and she turned into new version Peach, they popped so hard. They're like, Clara was like, Oh, my goodness. And um, then the game started, you know, they started showing all this footage. And so like, these are people that do not have nostalgia goggles, they're kids, but the new look and the feel of it and the like, you know, the they, they were immediately entranced. So I, I think it will be something that we'll be picking up as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be uh, released in November. It's a full price game uh, because it is. What? Part of, yes. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, it's part of their uh, voucher program, and they announced um, another Mario uh, 2D side-scrolling game, which is basically Mario eats the wrong mushroom or the right mushroom, depending on 
you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm Ryan, that Mario wonder, super Mario brothers wonder. I'm stoked for that one. Yeah. That's like, uh, like, because I don't have the nostalgia for Mario RPG. So remake of an old game or new super slick looking 2d Mario. I'm like, Oh man, this game looks so great. So I'm stoked. I'm, you know, I am really stoked for that one. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. I just, I, for the last, like, however many years it's been probably for the last 20 years since it came out, uh, do the math, everybody at home. I, I will sometimes have like one of the songs from super Mario RPG pop into my head and I will hum it, you know, I will hum along in my, in, in my head. And when that trailer played, like all of those memories, all of those soundtracks, those moments come back. And again, like it's a, it's a big, it's a big game for me. And I uh, can't wait to play this remake. Uh, I don't, I, I don't care that it's full price. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah fair, fair enough. Yeah, fair I'm, enough. I'm all for it. Like this, this is the thing. I do. I do. I feel like there's going to be like a follow up or anything. No, I think yeah. this is just this is the remake we're getting. This is Nintendo saying everyone uh, who who loves Super Mario RPG. Uh, it is every time you ask us to re-release it on like virtual console or Nintendo Switch Online, it's just a hassle. All these legal mumbo jumbo we have to deal with Square Enix. They couldn't even get Gino into smash brothers i think he's an assist trophy and it took them like four smash brothers games to get him in there that's how much of a pain it is for them to do this so they're just like this is it this is your one here's a remake okay go away and don't ask about earthbound or or mother (laughs) just don't do it this is your one you got it it's funny the power of nostalgia like it really is because when you when you when you have nostalgia for something like I have tremendous nostalgia for Link's Awakening, mm. uh, I had a Game Boy. It was one of the games that well they remade Link's Awakening, and they, they it wasn't Nintendo Direct. They revealed the trailer. I was just like like you, like just over the moon and stuff. Um, and it is funny because I enjoyed playing Gwen and I played Link's Awakening. It looked great. It has this sort of chibi look. It was, but I just you know like it's funny. It, it it's just. Now that it's over, like the I played the remake, it doesn't really when I think of Link's Awakening, I still think of the Game Boy version. Um, you know, it 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 is what it is. I, I I will say that nostalgia is one of those things where like like if you think of something that means a lot to you as a kid and they're able to bring it back in a way that is true to it, there's nothing better. Like Bo and I were both into this this game called uh the a PC game called Betrayal at Crondor when we were uh, teenagers. In Betrayal at Crondor, Bo's handle, Gorath, is one of the characters in Betrayal at Crondor. And um, we were, uh, like, if they announce tomorrow, like, I don't even know who has the rights. Activision, probably. Somewhere buried in a vault has the rights to that. If they announce, like, a remake of Betrayal at Crondor, which looked bad when it came out, as opposed to Super Mario RPG, which looked great when it came out i would pop so hard and i wouldn't care about anything and they i would buy like the super special edition and in the end of the day the reason i'd be doing that is nostalgia but i would be aware of it you know i'd be like whatever give me all the nostalgia ryan betrayal at crondor never heard of this game yeah well that's because a you're a console gamer not a pc gamer it's true and b you're younger than me and c even if you were a PC gamer and my age, there's still a good chance you wouldn't have heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it looks like a deep it, cut. It, 
it, it is it is a fair, fairly deep cut, but the thing is, and this is like whatever, pirating be what it be. When I was a kid, we had all exchanged diskettes at school. And so everybody, like everybody in my grade had played or all the guys had played Pichella Crondor. Like we we had like an unofficial race to like finish the game. And uh and you know, like uh it is it is just it is funny. Um, because it's like as I grow up and 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 engage with the rest of the world, I'm like, oh, that was unusual. Like a lot of people didn't play that game. Um, and uh and yeah, so but it's a great it's a great game, but shit, there's a lot of reading, uh there's a lot of reading in that game. Okay, uh I will move on to my first dungeons item, which is a TV show on Amazon Prime called Jury Duty. Ryan, do, have you heard of the show? It's so funny that you have this on here because Ashley at work, someone at work was raving about the show and I knew of it before. And Ashley said, well, we should watch it. We should try it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's for you. Like, it's kind of like, it's a reality slow kind of deadpan humor. So we watched two episodes and Ashley just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't stomach it. She was like, this is really boring. Uh, really? Yes. Okay, well, I am going to go the other direction. This <laughs> yeah. show is amazing. And so for the listeners who don't know, Jury Duty is a, a show uh, much in the vein of a show like Parks and Recreation or The Office, sort of like a mockumentary with all these crazy characters that are doing uh, – that are on a jury, not for like a criminal c- court, but like for um, like somebody suing somebody else, you know, like one of those things. Uh, and you know, you've got like, you've got characters very similar that you would see in something like the office or whatever that are really quirky. Um, the difference in this show, as opposed to those shows is that one of those characters is actually a real person, uh, named Ronald and he is uh, a juror, uh, and like the Joe Schmo show from way back. He thinks like the whole thing has been orchestrated in a Truman Show-esque fashion um, where he is unaware that the whole thing is a hoax. Like so all the uh, everyone else he's dealing with is an actor, uh, the judge, the bailiff, the prosecution, the defense, all the everything is every everything is set up. They get sequestered in a hotel uh, as juries sometimes do. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, uh, all, all told, uh, he's, he's totally in on it. So it is, as Ryan says, a reality show in the sense that one of the people is real Ronald and, but nobody else is real. And they're, they are all, um, they are all actors and they are good actors, as you can imagine that they would have to be to convince this guy um, that he's real and like this, sh- uh, the, the whole thing is real. And you know, they shot hours and hours of footage that was never used for this show just to like you know sell the, the minutia of a trial and, and all the stuff around. But a lot of crazy stuff happens, as can be imagined. And none of it would work if Ronald himself was a dickhead. Uh, because they don't control Ronald like he's a real person, like thinking that all of this is real. But he ends up being a super nice guy. And that is why it works and is kind of heartwarming to the point that, like, you know, the last episode, he the reveal is made to him. And I was like, man, this kind of sucks for this guy because they've 
they've, you know, he's found out the past three years, three weeks of his life have been fake. Um, and all these people that he thought were friends might not be his friends and all of this. But it turns out pretty well, not to not to to to, to spoil anything. And so the, the ethics of it, I didn't have to think too heavy on. And so I just got to enjoy the show, which incidentally is friggin' hilarious because the actors playing the characters are just ridiculous. Um, there's also you know the other jurors in, in particular, some of the situations. And added to this, the fact that at, at, they're walking a high wire and Ronald at any moment could discover uh, that, that the whole thing's, uh, you know, uh, not real. And it would be it would bring the whole show down. And so they have to be very, very careful. In the last episode where they sort of reveal some of the secrets, you realize how close they came sometimes and how scared some people were that they were the ones that might have ruined the whole thing. But in the end, they didn't. The show went through. It's eight episodes. Each one's 23 minutes. It's like a light comedy show. You watch. You laugh. At one point, Ryan, maybe three or four episodes in, I forgot Ronald was a real person. Like, I know it says it at the beginning of every show, but, like, it's filmed very much like, you know, The Office and Parks and Rec, like, where they have the the talking heads, where they're talking to the camera. Even when Ronald's not there, these actors are playing their characters and they're doing their bits to make it all a story. Um, and it is it is hilarious. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the one famous person too in it, uh, James Marston, who's known as like pro- probably most notably a Cyclops in X Men movies, but also he was in like Superman Returns. He's in like a lot of movies. Jesse remembered him from Twenty Seven Dresses, um, and, and uh, he's in a lot of stuff. Well, he plays himself in this movie, like because it takes place in Los Angeles, like as a Hollywood actor that gets brought on to the jury, you know, and has to serve his jury duty. So he's playing James Marston as an exaggerated version of James Marston. And he was the most like cringe, uncomfortable. Like I was like, oh God, you know, because he's acting like a entitled Hollywood dickhead all the time, but almost to the point of caricature, I thought, but Ronald never caught on. So I was, I was, uh, anyway, I, I enjoyed it. I would watch another show like this. Um, it's only eight episodes goes down really easy. Feels like, all the best things of those shows like The Office and Parks and Rec with this added element that's hard to describe. But uh, I totally recommend it, despite Ashley panning it. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Uh, for the record, I was enjoying it. Um, I had to... Uh, I, I said to Ashley, like, I really want to watch some TV tonight. There's a new episode, uh, a new Marvel show, Secret Invasion. We turned that on and... <laughs> She was like, what is this? Is this okay? Is this good? Like, this is kind of boring. I'm like, do you want to stop? We can stop. I can watch it without you. It's not a big deal. So I turned that off and I said, well, let's try to watch that show that was recommended at your work. And we made it through one episode. And I'm like, okay, wh- how are you feeling? So he's like, I don't know. It's kind of dry. It's like, it's not very, int- it wasn't her thing. I thought it was really funny. I had known sort of the premise beforehand. And then halfway through the second episode, I'm like, you're clearly not enjoying this. Let's turn it off. Uh, this is this just isn't for you. And uh, I turn it off and um, she says, like, she turns to me and she says, I don't even know which was the guy that didn't know what was going on. And, <laughs> and I was like, Ronald, the guy like, it, like, I don't know. She wasn't. I don't think like I said, I think she checked out after the, we finished the first episode. Um, but it's kind of to your point, too, of you saying, like, it's kind of hard to tell. 
if you just like if you just dropped in uh after that intro title credits like you wouldn't know who's who's faking it outside of james marsden i suppose because he's a famous actor but ashley's like which one's samuel l jackson no, well okay um, <laughs> oh that's funny yeah the secret invasion yeah. uh, uh, but but i was gonna say that um that uh the, the the reason that you know is that the camera spends a lot of time with him, but he does yeah. he does occupy the gym in the office role, and I think it was designed meticulously for him to occupy that role, which is just like to be the reaction to all these crazy because they're all obvi- often cutting to his reaction shots, right? Of like these crazy scenarios and stuff, and so it was it is it is funny. I don't want to reveal the the um the end and how it how it comes down or even the the trial is funny in itself and what it's about and 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 what's presented as arguments and and how ronald thinks about it and he and how they make him into the main character of of the the show uh but yeah no it is it is um you have to you have to kind of like really pay attention to what's going on because it is a legal show, the case. And there's a lot of characters because a jury is made up of a lot of people. Uh, but man, there were some of them that were just so good. I will say though, one of the other ones is an actor that I knew. Um, and he was in parks and rec. And he plays the sewer guy and the guy, the hurt back guy, right? He, he like, he, he tries to get out of jury duty by saying he, he had a back injury. And then the judge is like, Oh, that's actually closer to your head. Not your- yes, right, right. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. like, if I had been in Ronald's, R- Ronald occupied this position of like knowing, being on social media a little bit, but not too much, and that worked in their favor because even James Marston, he didn't really like know him that well, and was like, "You were in Sonic the Hedgehog," you know, like I didn't like. With, you know the one with Jim Carrey, and I feel bad because James Marsden's like the main character, and Jim Carrey is like the main villain or whatever. And and, uh, and yeah, like he, he says, um, he even goes and apologizes the next day. He's like, "Oh, dude, I watched Sonic last night." He told James Marsden straight up, "He's like, I heard that was a shitty movie," <laughs> which I think is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but then, but then he goes back and says, "Hey, I watched it last night. It was not bad," you know, like. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just a lot. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot going on in it. But if that sounds up your alley, I totally recommend it. The biggest thing I liked about it was that it was a light watch. Jesse and mm-hmm. I loved it, and we watched it like pretty quickly over a couple of days. You know, eight episodes, twenty three minutes. It made for a couple of fun TV nights. So yeah, Jury Duty on Amazon Prime, and also like it feels like every good show right now is not available to me. It's all on. Everybody's talking about a show. I'm like, oh, Succession. Where do I watch that? Oh, I don't have it. Like all these, all these shows are like that, and it was nice that, that sort of a show du jour. I'm like, hey, I actually can watch this. It's on Amazon. Yeah, and th- this is the thing. I think that this show, like I, I'm, it's now on the list that I will be watching uh, on my own. Um, I, I do want to finish it, if not for the the main reason to just figure out, like, read as much as I can of like how they did it and what this guy is thinking afterwards, and you know. They've talked a lot about it on uh, the morning stream. It was on their recommendals a couple times with Scott and Brian, and and it's come up a few times. And uh, they will often talk about like you know the the post show like interviews with some of the actors and the characters and stuff. So I'm um, 
that I want to finish it so that I can then dive in and like, how do they make this? Like, did they, if they shot it over three weeks, like how did they get away with basically like sequestering this person for a fake trial? Like, do they basically just assume like if this goes bad, they just got to like take the lawsuit. <laughs> it's just so weird to me. Like the last episode will answer a lot of those questions. Okay. I won't I won't reveal it, but like I will just say the last episode is kind of devoted to the the oh, how. Good, good, good. good. So, okay, well I will I will definitely finish this one. I, I my intention was to to basically pick it up uh as my own show and uh yeah, Ashley and I will continue to look for the 30 minute comedy that uh that matches both our uh both our tastes. Like we we found um uh animal control which is like a fox show but cbc gem sort of picked it up and we started watching that with 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 commercials uh on the cbc gem apps we could watch it for free but like there's just something about it it's missing something like it's uh it's that did you ever watch abbott elementary like i told you we didn't like it didn't uh didn't stick with us i don't know we didn't find it Oh, oh, really? You don't like Emmy winning comedies? No. Okay. I don't know. Um, it's just there's some. We talked about this before. There was just something about it that was like, I don't know. We just uh, maybe we need to give it another shot. Maybe I, we, I like I, I like all how there's always some. You know, jury duty. Uh, there's something about it that wasn't clicking. Ah, uh, you know this these. You, well, maybe jury duty we, has need- a very specific problem for for Ashley specific. I think it's like it's just it's too dry. It's too. It's too awkward comedy. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to remember what was the last. We really liked um, Reboot. We really loved Reboot. Yeah. And that that was a winner on, on both sides. So uh, Abbott Elementary, yeah, we should give it another shot. If you told me between Abbott Elementary, Reboot, and Jury Duty, like, which one would I think would somebody would bounce off the most? I would have said Reboot. It's funny because it's the one that, I don't know. I could see it not hitting, but you never know. You you never know. It's it, it is what it is. Don't feel like you got to watch all the. If you've watched the first two episodes, I want to watch Jury Duty. You already have a sense of what it is. But I I there was I can't even remember right now what the there was one uh, bit in Jury Duty where I was laughing so hard and uh, I, I was like any show every episode it made me laugh out loud at least one time and it's. Uh, so I, you know, that's a big thumbs up in terms of the way I, I rate the things for me. It, it, it seldomly happens. Now I will smile a lot during shows, but not necessarily laugh. But. All right. So uh, next up, Ryan, do you, in the dungeons, do you have anything else? Yeah. So a quick one here. Uh, well, as you know, as you know, you know, Father's Day was just uh, last week. And, uh, uh, for, I was unsure of what I, you know, Ashley says like, what do you want? What do you want for father's day? What do you, you know? And I, and I always get, I do the same thing. What do you want for mother's day? So we can get something from me and the kids and, and make a, you know, have a great day and we just celebrate. And it was the same conversation. Like, oh, what is it you'd like? And, and I know, um, Scott Johnson on, you know, uh, multiple podcasts including your friends uh podcast core talking about the anbernick rg 35 xx which is a uh handheld uh system uh it kind of looks like a game boy i think is probably the closest like a game boy color or a game boy pocket and it's basically designed to run 
emulators uh, from, I, I don't know, like there's a bunch that probably are more for, for Crofton, like the arcades and, and MAME and stuff. But like it has the consoles basically from Atari all the way up to the PS1. And that's kind of what it can what it can run. And, uh, you know, it was getting a lot of talk on, on the podcast. And I thought, like, you know what? This is a, you know, it's a, about a $100 system. And, uh, you know, it's on Amazon. And I said to Ashley, like, look, let's, uh, let's pick one of these up. Uh, I, hear, I hear really good things. It keeps coming up. They say it's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I got one for Father's Day. And in the lead up to Father's Day, I spent a lot of time researching, like, uh, the specific software. So like there's a huge community behind these Ambernic handhelds, specifically the RG 35 XX, uh, in terms of offering a, it can, it can handle custom firmware. You can like modify the themes within it. Uh, obviously you can load all of your ROMs on there, uh, for the systems I mentioned. And, uh, one of those things is, is garlic OS, which is this custom OS that you can get that kind of like, cause the, the stock OS that comes with it, It'll play the games, but it's not great. It's got some usability issues. It's 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 uh, it's it's just not great. So you can spend some time kind of tinkering with it, and I kind of dove in. That's what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. Like both pre, <laughs> I feel bad. I did it pre Father's Day because I knew I was was getting it. it wasn't really a surprise, but uh, I I spent pre Father's Day and post Father's Day kind of setting this setting this thing up with. You know, they say to replace the stock SD card because it's it's kind of like a no-name one. Although the one I got was was a fairly brand name, Lexar SD card, so it was fine. But you can buy these things on on Amazon. And, and it, the weird thing is, and I know you and I were talking about this, Crofton, when I first mentioned it, that I was thinking of maybe putting this up for Father's Day, uh, is that you can go on Amazon and buy these things. And everyone you find has like 5,000 games included. So when you buy this thing off of Amazon, it comes with all these ROMs. I don't, I don't know how they, <laughs> I don't know what sort of loopholes they jump through to to make that happen. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> loopholes, uh, they probably are like, come at us, Nintendo. Like if they get too famous, then that's when they're gonna. Yeah. I'm assuming I, there's no loopholes. There's like they've got to just be straight up doing it illegally. I Google quickly to see where this thing. It's like being sent from China or whatever. It's it, like it is. It is a. It is a device that is manufactured in China. Like pretty much everything you see in front of you. I, I don't even know what you have in front of you, but I'm assuming it's made in China. Yeah. But like this thing is, uh, yeah, it is. It is a. It's manufactured by a Chinese company, and. Um, they are they are sold and shipped uh, from the states. The one now they they've been fairly popular, so they kind of been like picking up steam. And maybe that's how they get away with it is they have like these these sellers that once they sell out of stock, they like bring up another seller. So like I bought it, and then the seller I got it from sold out. But you could search for the same model and find it elsewhere for a similar price. So I don't know if that's like part of the trick i don't know either way like it, it's been fairly popular on on amazon and i've i've uh, i've since seen the one that i bought s- sell out um but yeah it's a it's a fun little device and and you know you and i having you know played around with the steam deck and uh-huh. you know, emu software and such uh uh-huh. it's, it's kind of weird going from that big 
<laughs> you uh-huh. know, the, the Steam Deck can go, do a lot, right? But going from that big Steam Deck thing all the way down to this like little handheld, it is really kind of neat to be back in that form factor, you know? Well, I, I guess like you probably can guess where I'm where I'm going with this right off, which is like, like I get, I do get the idea of like you don't have a portable, so you pick this up, you pick this up, but if you have a Steam Deck. Um, and you know, like one of the first things when I got the Steam Deck, you were walking me through the MU deck and how it adds all these games to your library. And then I'm like playing Metroid Zero Mission or whatever on a big luxurious Steam Deck screen or whatever, or on my TV if I have a dock and all this. And you know, it's a portable and it's it's not cramping my hands because it's a big, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, it is what it is. I guess what what spot in your life does this this thing bill is i guess my my sort of question because bo has one and i saw it at his house and i played around with it, it seemed kind of nice but i was like do you use this and he's like no i have pretty much have not used it and i was like okay <laughs> well like i get it because i know what bo's life is his computer's right there like like what what would he be like when would he be you know using it he doesn't even use his switch or whatever um so so i guess my question back to you is is like like, what is it about this that makes it kind of like, like, why did you want it if you have if you have this already on the Steam Deck? Well, it's uh, it, it comes right down to the the form factor. It's I think. the form factor. Yeah. Okay. It's the form factor. It's the ability to uh, look like no matter what I say, it's like, well, the Steam Deck can do that. The Steam, De- and the no, Steam no, Deck no. can do that. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not picking apart. I, like, no, if it's fine. the form, if it's the form factor, like, there's a reason. There is a reason that you wanted this. Yes. And and, and uh, like, like I know, like if Bo or somebody from Core or, or another show was like, oh, this is so great. Well, I know they don't have a Steam Deck. So like, uh, you know, for them, I get why it's it's having something they don't already have access to portable, like a ton of these games. But you have that. So I, I just trying to get a sense of what is it that made you, Ryan Murphy, want this when you already essentially have this thing but the the reality is it's it is the form factor because it is like i held it in my hand it's pretty small yeah yeah no i think it for me personally it comes down to to form factor and and having that smaller handheld device that i can kind of set by you know the bedside table and play a little bit before bed like again like the steam deck is handheld don't get me wrong but for me it don't I don't I don't know how people play this thing and that thing in bed like it is just it's beefy it's it's loud and if you say I I worry sometimes if I set it on the bedside table one of the kids is going to come in and just knock it over because it is big when you put it in the case Uh, like all that being said like yes it is very much a duplication it comes down to the the handheld form factor I think and also just having another toy to tinker with. You know, like I've I've really been having some fun sort of, you know, testing stuff out with it and, and you know, modifying the themes and kind of just playing around with uh, with the custom uh, firmware. And, and uh, yeah, it's just been a fun cool. little toy. And again, like if you don't have a Steam Deck, a lot of the arguments that uh, that you may have in terms of duplication, like I think this is a really good, right, inexpensive option. Uh, if you do have a Steam Deck, I think, yeah, you have to ask yourself, like, am I going to use this thing? Uh, but for me, like, I found that it's just, 
it is so much smaller and it's just so much more convenient if uh, I want to play some of those older retro games. Like, I have my Steam Deck. I can see that as well. Like, you just flick it on. And, like, Ryan, I bought the Steam Deck at the same time as I bought an arcade machine. Like, and Hey, yeah, you spent way more on that arcade machine than I spent on this Amber So Yes. So so here's the thing, though. (laughs) They do different things, right? But I will say – I will say that the this that if I could go back in time and undo one of those purchases, not that I would, I would keep them both, but I would undo the Steam Deck. So I I like the arcade machine more than I like the Steam Deck by quite a wide margin as well. So like I mean I appreciate the form factor and the way that you feel like that you play the game. Like if you feel like this is a game that's meant to be played in sort of like a Game Boy type form, it makes it makes sense uh, makes sense to me. So I'm not trying to I'm not trying to grind your gears, but I am legit I was legit curious. Also fooling around with all that stuff that you tinker with, that sounds like a nightmare to me. But like I understand that it's appealing to you. But for me I'd be like, oh God, just work, you know, like um so just yeah. be, do, my Steam, Steam Deck has all these keyboard things you can get, like different keyboards or different whatever. I still have the default everything, and that's all I'll ever have till I die. <laughs> you know, so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think it it comes it is it comes down to like wanting to just have a new thing to to play with, and it was one of those things of like I I thought about it. I was like I could ask for a game. But then I thought, like, uh, well, the second I opened it up, the the kids wanted to to play it. And, like, look, I'm not letting my kids near the Steam Deck. That is a very expensive piece of hardware. I might, I would definitely dock it and then allow them to use a controller to play it on the TV. No problem. But, like, uh, as soon as we opened up the Enmernic, um, Abby was playing Mario. Caden was trying out some different games. So it's uh, it's also that factor as well, you know, and uh, they've, They've really been enjoying it too. So, um, yeah, there's just there's 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 a lot of overlap, but there's also like uh, some really cool use cases there. But you're right, like the tinkering side of it. The the I had to literally I've never done this before, but I had to like flash an SD card with an image. I've never done that before. Uh, a lot easier than I thought than I thought it would be. But then you had to like not only flash the SD card, but re size the partition on the sd card and that probably sounds like hell on earth to some folks at home but might sound like a lot of fun to kind of uh learn some new things try out some new methods and and stuff like that and and i think the steam deck kind of like brought me back into that like tinkering phase of of computers because i thought i had left that all kind of behind because like who has time for that and the steam deck was specifically a purchase of like who has time for that? I want to buy a PC console that can just run my games. But like the f- second thing I started doing on it, it was like, let's install something in desktop mode, you know? <laughs> yeah, so right. I, uh, I've also had the conversations with folks of like, I need to stop adding things like that onto my, onto my to-do list, you know, like, Oh, what, what am I going to be, you know, experimenting with, uh, next week? Like, am I going to be, trying to set up an Ambernick RG35XX or am I going to be uh, creating Amiibo cards? Like, I don't know. You know, I need to stop doing that because I just, I don't have, a, I don't have time for that. I want to, I should just play video games. I don't have time for that. Uh, yes. Or watch movies like Across the Spider-Verse, uh, which 
you had mentioned last time I had said that I was going to go see it. We got a babysitter, went to see it, uh, really enjoyed it as I expected to enjoy it. Um, I really like, you know, I've had some time for it to sit with me and stuff. Um, and uh, I, I definitely think because just for context, everybody knows that Spider-Man is one of my favorite characters of all time. I will just say that Into the Spider-Verse, which was about Miles Morales, specifically uh, a, a character that I don't really know that well, um, is one of my favorite all-time movies. And I, it, I think it has to do with the craftsmanship of that film even more than the Spider-Man character himself, although there is a lot of love for Spider-Man in that movie. But when I watched um, the next uh, film by the creators, The Mitchells and the Machines, and it echoed with me even almost as much, if not more, I was like, okay, uh, these guys and, and girls know how to make these movies. Um, so Into the Spider-Verse was was a, a big act to follow. And Spider-Verse 2, uh, I went in and I, I just, I had a really good time. A lot's being said about the visuals, how look, how much, how, how good it looks. It definitely does end abruptly. We I know it's part, it's the first part of a two-parter. Um, I just, I, the ending was, was maybe a little bit, you know, it was not my favorite. It was not my favorite. And I, I think they could have hinted a little bit that you were heading into the end, uh, before it hit. I think there was sort of an abruptness to the ending of the film that they could have been softened a little bit. But aside from that, that's a nitpick. Uh, and I think will probably be alleviated when the sequel comes out next year. I thought it was a, a dang good time at the movies, Ryan. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. I think uh, having just seen it when we talked about it last, it was tough for me to kind of like gather my thoughts on on how, like my main criticism is like, this is a part one of two films. And knowing that going in makes the ending um, a little more, I hesitate to say tolerable, but I think that is the right word, you know, like it, it is abrupt. Um, they, like, I was kind of thinking, I, I try not to check my clock when I'm watching a movie, but I knew the movie was like two hours, 20 minutes, long film. And for an animated in particular. It, it, oh yeah. hundred percent. I think it's like the longest animated film. I think it holds that sort of record. Um, but I think like that's that's the thing. Like I was kind of thinking to myself, like, wait, this is part one. When are they ending this? Because they, like, what's the cliffhanger? You know, because like I I kind of felt like leading into that ending moment, there were a couple points where they could have ended it in a in a satisfying way of like, let's see where this goes next. But I but I think you're right in context. If you watch this one and part two, um, like I think it'll have that feel. And it feels very similar to, and, and this is a, not at all with plot, but it feels similar to like Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame, where like in, they they picked like kind of the perfect part to end Infinity War on, but it's still it still hurt to to wait, you know. And I didn't feel that at the end of Spider Verse Two. I I'm con I'm fine to wait. I'm content to wait. Like it's kind of um. Like my brain doesn't really feel like the consequences of what's happening in the film, like make me, Oh, I got to see how they wrap this up. I'm like, I'm interested to see how they wrap it up, 
but I don't think my brain's like worried about how they're going to wrap it up. You know what the ending reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, the old Batman series uh, uh, with Adam West, where like every episode would be to be continued and they would say, stay tuned next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And it would always be Batman facing some sort of adversity uh, and, uh, you know, then in the first few minutes of the next episode, he would pull out some gadget from his belt and solve the situation. And then it would move on. It really did feel, whereas the uh, Infinity Wars cliffhanger was much more like there was a resolution to a giant battle. It didn't go the way our heroes wanted necessarily. And there was a big impact. And there was like, what's the aftermath going to be? Whereas it felt very much in Spider-Verse that it was in media res. It was in the middle of the action still. Um, And uh, then it was like to be continued. And that like the old Batman series was as well. And I mean, there's something that's not as necessarily satisfying. Also, this film is much more, you know, as is the nature of long, longer films and two parters, much more drawn out. Like, Miles's mom in and into the Spider Verse, I think, had maybe like three lines. Like she didn't really have much. Like her, his dad had a lot more, but but uh, his mom really didn't have too too much. And, and then in this movie, she has a lot, but he all the his dad also has a lot. Like there's scenes where he's talking to Miles as Spider Man or Miles as Miles, and and like there's scenes with both of them. There was just a lot of that stuff um none of it bad it was all good but there was a lot of it in the sense that like you wonder almost like could this have been one movie or like i it's hard to know without seeing the other side of things but i enjoyed it throughout and look forward to seeing it again so i mean i can't i can't nitpick too much i will just say that like for me this is like a nine on 10 movie. I loved it. Every like the animation, the sequencing, the characters, uh, the jokes, the emotion, um, everything about it was great. The comic bookness in all the best ways, but I like into the spider verse better. That's a 10 on 10 movie, you know, like, so like, and, but once you're, once you're okay with that and being like, okay, that movie is perfect. When they announced this movie, I was worried that it was going to ruin that movie for me. And I will say there are some things, because the thing about sequels is they always tell you what happened to these characters. Because in movies, they get resolutions at the end and you sort of see them grow and you see them develop. And so then you get to see kind of what's happened next with some of these characters. And um, in this, this case, it was a lot less painful than it was sometimes like when you see these legacy sequels, like the star Wars ones or whatever, where it's 30 years have gone by and you're like, Oh, everybody's life sucks. Now in this case, it didn't really ruin much of what was in into the spider verse, but there were a couple of beats where I was like, huh? I mean that in retrospect makes into the spider verse, not as impactful sort of thing, you know? Um, yeah, but, they kinda, uh, there's some, I wouldn't I wouldn't know if you call it retconning, but it's uh, there's there's some like, you know how sometimes with a sequel, they have this opportunity to kind of go back and not even fill in some gaps, but like take some moments in the first film that are unexplained and then explain them in the second one um, through like characters being, you know, saying 
oh, you know, this specific thing happened and you saw it and you saw it in the first film, but you didn't know what, uh, what of it. You just assumed like, oh, okay, that's just, uh, that's just that, you know, like, uh, they, they kind of expand upon some of those details a little bit in, in, in the sequel. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it's, I, I think like you could kind of look like, here's the thing. If you've seen some of the interviews, you don't have to worry Crofton. There's the third one and there won't be another one because like uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are like, there's no way in hell we're making another one of these. It took us like five years, six, it'll be what, seven years to make these two films once they're all out. Like it's, that's a crazy undertaking. They won't make another one, but Sony will. They will make a spinoff of one of these characters that are in these movies. Like, there's so many characters, and Sony loves money, and they're making a Craven movie, and they're making a Morbius movie, and God knows they will make a Gwen Stacy movie or another movie or whatever. They're going to do it for sure. It won't be Lord and Miller, but it'll be someone. Yeah. that See, that... Yeah, you're putting that in the universe and you you don't even have to because you know you know Sony's capable of of doing that. Like they've got a good thing going with the MCU and Spider-Man. They're they're not willing to mess that specific thing up, but they're totally fine to take this license and try to try to make as much money as possible. I know they're a business and, you know, but still and it's Spider-Verse like- is well received. Like is well received. They wouldn't have did, even done these sequels. Like I'm sure that a big bricks truck uh, pulled up to Lord and Miller's. And I will say that uh, it makes sense to me now because this like Spider-Verse for all its love and uh, uh, the love that I give it and others have given it. It's it's, and I saw it in theaters, but it's a lot of people did not. And so it, it, it's kind of gained renown in, in time and across the Spider-Verse made so much more money because of this. So it makes, it kind of makes sense like when you see it like that you're like well you know people are appreciating this movie much more now because i remember myself being very cynical about into the spider-verse when it was announced sony had just done nothing right with spider-man now they were going to do an animated spider-man movie and you know it was going to be about spider-verse i was like oh my god they're gonna like i i just I was very cynical. I'm more than happy to admit that I was very wrong, but um, but yeah. So now, now they've got they've turned this into a whole, you know, potentially whole other universe, the Sony animated Spider Verse universe, and uh, I could see I could see a lot more coming from it beyond this series that will focus clearly or has been focusing mostly on miles, but it is so good. Like I mean, it is just it's so good, and I went to see it with Jess. And she hadn't seen it. We didn't have time to see Into the Spider-Verse again. Um, and I've watched it many times since, but she has not. So her, she didn't, you know, necessarily remember too, too much. But she just loved, she really, really just, she left that movie. was like, man, that was a great movie. I'm like, yeah, it was good. So, uh, yeah, I just, I hope everybody goes to see it. And that, um, and that I hope they nail the landing. But you know what? I'm not even worried. After this one, I'm just I'm sure they will they will nail they will nail the landing. And I really like how they have like these these moments where where Miles really gets to stand up and 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 be a hero. Like they had the leap of faith in into the Spider-Verse, um, 
which still gives me goosebumps when I see that scene or even hear the what's up danger uh, song. But, but in this one, in this one, they have a scene like that. And uh, you know, uh, it's still very, very, very powerful, very cool. Um, so yeah, no, just a great movie. Everybody should go see that movie. Even Ashley who hates nice things. <laughs> yeah. She did not go see this one. Uh, I I went and saw it by myself. I'm I'm curious before we move on and get into the diapers for our topic, but I'm curious. Um, did you agree with me in the sense of like in terms of taking the kids to see it? Like it's kind of a it's a busier film. Like it's probably one better watched like at home with the kids as opposed to in theaters. Like it just feels like there's a lot going on. You know, I do agree with you. There is a lot going on. Um, I also think. Like, it's really tempting. I got out of that and I was like, geez, I want to share this with Gwen in particular. Because, you know, Spider-Gwen plays such a bigger role in this film. And, like, especially in the opening and all of that. And I was just like, oh, man, Gwen would love that so much, you know. She'd be so on board for that. But then there is there is a lot. There is a lot there. And it is complicated and there's all this stuff. And it's also the way that I'm having her approach Spider-Man. Like, she doesn't know. The th- one of the big elements at play here are is the history of Spider-Man. And they talk about it in the movie. Canon, Spider-Man canon. It actually plays a role in the film. And Gwen doesn't know much about that, really. You know, I'm. it, it really works on somebody like me. But for her... Not as much. A part of me wants her to experience more other Spider-Man stuff so she can appreciate this more. But the other thing is Clara clearly is just too much. It's too old. It's she's five. It's too complicated. Um, it's not, it's not for her yet. Uh, and so it's tough to find time to watch a movie with one of your kids and not not have the other one, right? So um, I mean. I, I think that w- when we came out of it, I sort of regret it because we could have had the babysitter just for Clara and Brock Gwen. And I kind of was like, oh, maybe we should have done that. Jess is like, I don't know. But we did see other really, really small kids in the theater. And like, we're clearly judging, being like, they're too young for this film. <laughs> what do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I, uh, when, when I got out of it, I was, I was just excited. That I was able to watch a film with them. Like, my kids uh, would struggle to sit through two and two hours and 20 minutes, but um, yeah, I true. Thought, that's another, another point. Yeah. I, I thought like, you know what? Um, it was actually pretty close. Like if father's day weekend wasn't so busy, I was actually going to uh, look at the theater timings and see if we could fit in a showing where I took Abby and Caden. Cause they, they do want to see it. But as I explained last episode, like they're not at that age yet. And I've had this conversation with Ashley too. Like, we don't want to rush into like, oh, the you know, let's play this game at launch with this with the kids. Let's go see this movie at launch with the kids. Like, they don't quite understand like the timing of everything yet. So like, in their mind, they they're not missing Spider Man into this or across the Spider Verse. They'll like they'll know what's out when it's out, right? Like they like when we show it to them, they don't care that they haven't seen it yet because they they don't understand that that they're missing it. Um, but there will come a time when they get old enough and they're paying attention to release schedules and they're as savvy as we are in terms of, uh, knowing when their favorite content is releasing. 
uh, we'll get there and we'll have to, you know, go, we'll, we'll want to go as a family because everyone's on board. So like, we haven't quite gotten there yet. And I think it's fine to kind of continue down that path of like, you know, when, when across the spider verse comes to on demand digital, we'll rent it. We'll watch it on a movie night. But I was close to like saying to the kids, like they don't know I went and saw it, but I was close on father's day weekend to being like, okay, Caden and Abby, let's go see, let's go see Spider-Man. And, um, cause it's funny. I was actually talking to, to my dad on, on father's day. And it was like, he was taught, he goes to the movies all the time with my older brother. And, uh, he was telling me he saw the little mermaid. He saw, um, he saw the, uh, isn't he saw guardians. He saw dungeons and dungeons and dragons, like all these films. And he's telling me, and I'm like, Oh, I saw spider verse. Did you see it? And he's like, no, that's, that's, that's a silly animated Spider-Man movie. And I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. But like that. Uh, it. it is funny. Uh, because he's on the little mermaid. He he's did, like, yeah. once they make, once they make a live action version of it, <laughs> I'll be in, you know, uh, yeah. but, uh, it, it's, it's funny, uh, because, um, you know, like I didn't watch Guardians in theaters. I didn't watch all of these movies in theaters that I had some interest in. This was the one that, like, you know, pushed me over the edge. But I did feel kind of silly going to see see it. And I, I'm leaving, and the babysitter and it, Gwen's like, "What movie are you going to see?" I said, "We're going to see a movie." And Gwen's like, "What movie are you going to see?" And, and the babysitter's is like, "Yes, what movie are you going to see?" And I'm wearing a Spider-Man hoodie, by the way, at the time. And I'm like, "We're going to see the new Spider-Man movie." Gwen's like, "Why can't I come?" And I'm like, "Cause you have a babysitter." Um, <laughs> she she was like, "I don't get why I don't get to come," uh, but it, it did uh, it did make me it did make me laugh quite a bit that I was going to see, you know, an animated movie that is rated PG that Gwen for sure would be, you know, able to go see. But the last movie I'd seen in theaters was with the whole family was the super Mario movie. And definitely like to your point, Ryan, about complexity of plot and all of that, I compare this movie to that movie. And I'm like, that's a kid's movie, super Mario. And like, Sometimes you had these raging nerds that you had to calm down and be like, guys, it's a kid's movie, you know, uh, whereas whereas Spider-Verse is, is really one of those movies that appeals to multiple ages. But Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy are like college age kids. So you're talking like this, this is working at your, tw- you know, probably on a graph. This is a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old movie. Like that's the that's the the probably ideal range. So anything below that is younger than what they're going for. And then, but then there's also like the all ageness of it as well. So I thought, uh, I thought it, I thought it was great. It was a great movie, Ryan. Yeah. No surprise. I, I knew you'd love it and uh, can't wait for that next one. It's coming out next March. So it's not even a year away. Um, we will have it before you know it. I'm also listening to music a bunch. Oh, yeah. oh man, my uh, my subscription just lapsed. I uh, I was supposed to listen to that, and I completely forgot. Is it is it as good as the first one, the soundtrack? No, <laughs> but but it's like it's exactly the soundtrack equivalent of the movie. Like oh, okay. it's like it's like the there's it's like if the last one had a ten on ten soundtrack, this one is a nine on ten soundtrack. The difference between the last one. And this one is this is all curated and and done by this one DJ, 
Metro Boomin, I think, who I had oh, never yeah. heard of. Metro Boomin. It, no, I don't know who that is. No, I had no idea. But he he like he does all the songs at like in and I don't mean like sings them all. Like he he brings in different people for different ones, but he's curated the sat the entire soundtrack. But one thing I do find funny is like if you listen to the soundtrack, there's always a hidden place near the or not hidden, but like at the beginning of each track where somebody yells out Metro. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you know, sometimes it's kind of faded in the background, but you're like, there it is. There's the Metro. He has to have a shout out to himself at the beginning of every song. Uh, but uh, aside from that, it's, it's, it's good. And has been growing on me a lot. Um, I will say that there's no, like there's a couple of musical moments in into the spider verse. And like after one viewing, I, there wasn't one that jumped out to me from across the spider verse. So I'm enjoying the music as it is, as it like, I, I, but, uh, but I, maybe I'd have to see the mo movie again. Cause there's, with Into the Spider Verse's soundtrack, there's like at least three songs where when I'm listening to the song, I have the scene playing on loop in my head, you know? So, um, yeah, anyway, very, very good. Music is good. All of that is good. Ryan, speaking of good, it is now time to change some diapers. For those who are just joining us since we made this shift, we are doing a topic, uh, an episode, and we, we do call-outs beforehand um we announced try to announce a topic in advance this week's topic is screen time screen time for you and your children uh and uh how much is too much and all of that we talked about tech in your kids a couple of episodes ago and this is a bit of a spin off spin off expansion of of that um so we're going to spend some time talking about it we welcome your thoughts dear listeners on it but let us kick off with the man of the hour, always sweet, never sour. I'm talking about Ryan Murphy. He's going to introduce what he wants to talk about today in terms of screen time. Yeah. So screen time is one of those things that uh, before you're a parent, uh, because you and I, when we had kids, uh, screen time was a thing, you know, before we had kids. And it was it gets it, it gets demonized a lot. Um, you know, and, uh, I think to start off, we have to acknowledge that, uh, no one has the solution or the proper setup for, for screen time. I don't, I, I think it is a case by case basis, family by family, and just your, your personal, um, your personal comfort levels in terms of like how your kids interact with screens, but, uh, not to spin off another topic, but I, I feel like screen time really is made better by having some sort of uh, parental control. Uh, that being said, I don't use the parental controls for, for like limiting time, but using them to kind of like guide the kids in a way um, towards content that is suitable for them or, or content that is, that they're going to enjoy. Uh, but we'll save that for, for another uh, time. We'll talk about screen time specifically. But um, did we want to start? We did get some feedback from a listener. We, uh, we got an email from Derek. Do you want to start there? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. So Derek emails us. He says, hey, Ryan and Crofton, you were asking for feedback about screen time. So I thought I'd send in what my family does. As a reminder, my kids are a little older, 14 and 11. For a while now, we've had screen time during the week to be 30 minutes uh, each day per day for playing video games and an hour each day for weekends. 
or other non-school days. We also usually let them watch TV for one to two hours on weekends slash non-school days. Uh, We are flexible with these times if the kids are having a bad day or we're feeling sick or exhausted. Sometimes the times do get extended. But on days when we have activities planned, sometimes there's no screen time at all, depending on what we do. So, you know, right off the bat, when I was saying like, screen time is really based on like what works for you and your family. Uh, Flexibility, I think, is also key. Like, Crofton, you talked about this, uh, I think, when we were talking about kids in tech in terms of like, I said five minutes, the tablet goes off, you know, having a conversation with your kids, being flexible. And I think that's where I don't like the the screen time timer because they're very strict. You know, you tell a computer you shut off in 30 minutes. What do you think it does in 30 minutes? It shuts down. <laughs> oh, I was going to guess that. Oh, yeah. Good job. Good job. Uh, so it's one of those things of like flexibility, I think, is is key. So um it's good that Derek, uh, as Derek noted, they they do that as well. It's interesting in Derek's email. The, the he makes it, it sounds like if I'm interpreting correctly, correctly, there's a discrepancy between video game time and television time. Yes, like and it's like one gets more than the other. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, thirty minutes for thirty minutes for video games during the week and it sounds like an hour each day uh for weekends or non-school times so maybe tv there's no tv during the week it sounds like right it's it's just it's interesting to me uh, and his kids are older so he has to deal with like probably people asking all the time i i just find and this is this is not to deviate us in any way but um so gwen this past week I like she's really into Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, like in a in a way that she probably hasn't ever been into a game ever. Like she's just like she wants to talk about it. She's thinking about things she wants to try in it. She wants to share her experiences with everyone. Right. She had a friend over today. She wanted to show them Tears of the Kingdom. They don't get to have a switch at home. They've pretty much never seen a video game. They just wanted to style horses hair at the the stable which was fine but like the reality is that you know i'm i'm a gamer i'm i'm letting my kids engage with this stuff and so i asked when i said um during the, i said like do you talk to kids at school about zelda and she's like well there's these two boys that have it and i said really none of the girls say eh? and she said no and they don't um they, they no, most of them don't even have a switch and their parents don't like video games. And I was super bummed by that because for me, I thought we were past this, you know, with, with adults, like we grew up with video games that, that video games are no longer cast as like something that is, that is worse than, um, and so like, you know, for, for them, the screen time that's being monitored is TV time and not video game time because they, they, especially the girls don't get encouraged or supported to play video games. It still remains this idea that boys play games because they'll ask for it because their friend in the schoolyard will say something. Right. So that bummed me, that bummed me out a lot. So I, and I don't mean to like, like Derek's got his thing where, where like video games is clearly 
uh, potentially more attractive to his kids or they want to play them on the weekdays or whatever. Movies tend to be longer anyway. So if you're putting a limitation on a movie, it's tough to watch an entire movie unless you have the time, you know, a time to do it. But I would just say like for me, screen time is like, is about quality time. It's like, is that screen time quality time or not? And so for instance, um, if I'm sitting down next to Gwen and we're solving a shrine and playing, playing Zelda together and making jokes and doing goofy shit, that's quality time. Whereas if Gwen is watching like a show on a tablet because she's had a tough day at school and it's just some dumb animated show that is really dumb. Like there's a few that she's watching. I'm like, that's a dumb show. Uh, <laughs> then, then, uh, then, then she, then that's like not quality time, but it's like necessary time because she needs to unwind and she needs a break. And like, you know, uh, and so I think for screen time, where I struggle is like, what is the nature of that time? Because you know, putting a, an artificial number to all screen time is like it it feels like it's not true to what what is actually being done. If if my kid if my kid is doing like trying to te self teach themselves programming, uh, if and then they're also trying they're, they're also playing a game with me on the switch, and then they also you know, when they come home from school and need some time to unwind and are like, you know, watching a show by themselves, whatever, like all of this could come together to be a sizable amount of screen time potentially, but they're all different things. Right. So anyway, that's why I have a hard time sometimes with like saying like, what is the precise time? And I think that I benefited from the fact that I have young kids and I haven't really had to worry too much about hard limitations yet. Yeah. I think that's a really Good point. I, I, I'm imagining that as kids get older, having like a set time works well because, um, look, I'm even starting to notice it with, with Caden, like, and just the school schedule in general, like we have limited time where we're not getting ready to go somewhere or getting ready to go to bed, you know, like our window of, um, opportunity for for as you said quality time or 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 even just you know Caden time or Abby time or or Isabel time like where they can do whatever they want and if they want to watch a tv show like 30 minutes might sound like a little bit to you and I but when you factor in homework and chores and just in general getting ready for stuff a half hour might be all you can fit in uh, but I like the idea of like looking at it, not necessarily as screen time, but like needed time, quality time, uh, learning time, uh, specifically like Caden, we kind of, um, we talked a little bit about YouTube kids, uh, a couple episodes ago and Caden has YouTube kids on his tablet, but we have a rule. Like you can only watch it when you have the volume up and one of us is around because like, I don't know, it's an algorithm. Anything could pop up. Uh, I know it's like Google says, like we, we curate as much as possible, but at the end of the day, this is still like machine learning. It's not perfect. Um, so just to have that safety net, we we're kind of like, we just, we want to know what he's watching, but I know what he's watching because he's watching. Uh, I can hear, I can just, I can picture it now. He's watching um, a YouTuber from Ukraine solve uh, Rubik's cubes and teaching algorithms. And he's got, 
he can do a three by three in like a minute flat. You scramble that thing. He's got it solved. Like he's got that in his brain. And he's, he just, he finds these like puzzle videos of people solving, you know, Rubik's cubes and just insane puzzles, like 17 by 17 Rubik's cubes. And he watches this like 20 minute thing of how they solve it. And he has a, I I said to him, like, look, if you solve the three by three, you can get a four by four and we'll see how long that lasts. And he's really been latched on to like watching these videos to kind of teach him different moves and different tricks to, to solve these Rubik's cubes and, and stuff. So like, that's kind of been his, his learning time. Uh, but he's also been into like, he's, he's been going to Canada's wonderland with his, with his sister and his uncles. Uh, and he's all into roller coasters. So now he's like watching videos about roller coasters and, and he's like over the weekend, he was just talking, uh, talking his grandpa's ear off about roller coasters he's all in so like that's really fun to <laughs> for him to 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 be able to do that and and as you said uh it, it gets them outside of the normal offering from netflix um like netflix kids or whatever show gets surfaced that is something you or i maybe maybe wouldn't watch but the kids really enjoy but it's um it kind of evolves you kind of have to let it like evolve and kind of do they can they even let him on roller coasters? Yeah, he's tall enough that they'll that, like at Canada's Wonderland. He can go on. Look, he asked me like, "Oh, are you gonna go?" Because we're gonna be going um, in a couple weeks as a family, and he's like, oh, "Are you gonna go on this? You gonna do this?" Like, buddy, I do not go on roller coasters. I am not a roller coaster person. I will happily wait in line with you, and I will see you go on that roller coaster, and I will be happy for you. But uh, yeah, he'll go on roller coasters. He's all in. Like he, uh, but like. There's a height requirement yeah. for roller coasters. You can't just send kids on. Like he is, like, he is, he is at the height where he can go on. He can't go on all of them, but he can go on a majority of them. Can he go on Top Gun? Uh you know what? If he was here right now, I could ask him that, and he'd be able to tell you. He was telling me about the bat uh, at Canada's Wonderland. Yeah. Oh, he can do the bat. Yukon Striker. Oh, he won't stop talking about Yukon Striker. Um, well, that'll no, mean something I, to somebody <laughs> that will, it will. Um, but, uh, no, I, I guess for me, um, and, and to, to your point, like everybody's kid is different. And so like, like if you're using, I think where screen time comes in is like, if you're using, it's almost as much for the parent as for the kid. If you're using it to babysit your kid and I'm not here to shame you if you are, because like, honestly, Sometimes that's the only way. It's like, here, watch this show, watch this tablet, look at the screen. I'm going to be making supper and I need you not to destroy anything, especially, you know, single parents or different things. God knows during the COVID pandemic, you know, people stuck at home and it's like trying to do stuff I, without screens. I don't, you know, I don't know it, how you would make, how you'd make things happen. And that's not to say like, that I'm, I'm sure that there's ways to do it and it requires a lot of you, a lot of your energy. You are saving your energy because you are giving them a screen. Like you're saying like, okay, buddy, look at the screen and enjoy the show while I do this other thing. And I'm able to like maybe listen to a podcast or do something as I make supper here, as opposed to like uh, trying to entertain you at the same time and we'll have quality playtime afterwards. Right. So it, it's about, it's using that time to, to manage, but what, uh, what, or manage that time rather in a way that supports your kid. What I, Ryan, what I don't have um, like experience with yet is, is 
uh, in both like Clara likes her shows and Gwen likes Zelda and stuff like that. But like they'll shut it off as soon as I tell them, you know, they'll, they, it doesn't seem to negatively impact their behavior. It's not like it, it, it's, I don't have a kid yet that was like I was when I was a kid that was, or it was like, Oh, like more and more like whining about not, not getting the thing or not having the thing and wanting more of the thing, you know? Um, and, and so, so, for parents that have kids like that, it may require more stringency, more like, no, like, look, there's a limit here. Or especially as like Derek with a 14 year old or whatever, like older kids that might be on stuff like Twitch or that might be, you know, instead of hanging out with their families in the afternoon or, or even having quality time might be like, Oh, I'm going to go to my room and go on this tablet or go on this thing. Like, I understand why you would want to limit that stuff. And maybe like, I know of these families that like put all their phones in, in a drawer or something past a certain time. And I'm sure at one point I will be one of those families. It's just that right now, um, you know, my kids listen to me for, for lack of a better term and You're they lucky. don't watch, they don't watch too, too much or they watch the amount that we think that we are comfortable with. I think other parents would look, be like, wow, that's that's too much. Like on the weekends, I value sleeping in. My wife and I both take a day to sleep in and the other one has to get up with the kids. But the one that gets up with the kids wants to sleep in or sleep in a little bit as well. And we've got it now where Clara and Gwen will like, be, uh, we'll say like, hey, guys, if possible, you know, wake us up when you're, you know, wait a little bit and go on a tablet, watch a show or something. And like Clara will, <laughs> Clara will wake up at like seven on Saturday morning, but like wake us up at, you know, nine because she's been watching shows on a tablet for like two hours. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I got more sleep. I'm better served for the day. She enjoyed watching her shows, got to chill out a little bit. I don't care. You know, uh, if I saw back, bad habits come out of that maybe i would right i like and and here's the thing like i don't um i don't think you're gonna see bad habits form because you're you are you are setting the habit of like uh like because we do that too we do that on the weekends where um izzy will sleep in a little longer than kaden and abby uh kaden and abby will be up at six and we've kind of like gotten them to be like when they're up they usually are both up and then they'll both go downstairs uh, to the basement and they'll watch their shows, you know, on the TV shared. Usually no, usually the, the fighting comes from them not agreeing on what they want to watch. Um, although the Mario movie being available now has really helped with that because all three of them will happily watch that film over and over and over and over. And honestly, uh, I, I'm not sick of it yet. I really, I really love that movie. <laughs> that should surprise nobody. But um that that is sort of our weekend routine and sometimes it works out in the sense that like izzy actually sleeps in till seven caden and abby have gone downstairs and ashley and i have been able to sleep in until until seven and um in terms of like stopping tv time i find as long as we give the kids warning they won't kick up a fuss but if they've had a rough day it goes back to just uh, i find like as long as we're not on a time limit, we've had we've had to, as I mentioned with Caden, like wanting to learn more on YouTube kids, we have had to like say no more YouTube kids on a weekday before school because you get 
enthralled in these long explanative videos and uh there just isn't enough time for the let's finish this video because it's like this guy's going to be talking about an algorithm for for another 15 minutes so and you got to get the bus right so like we had to we had to make that change and and i think it just comes down to having those conversations and being flexible um but i but i like the idea of like you know going back to your quality time thing because derek actually he wrote a, a little bit longer of an email um so he he talks about in terms of that quality time one thing that we started early in the pandemic that we continue to this day is our saturday takeout and movie night we get takeout food somewhere and then the four of us take turns weekly to pick a movie my partner and I use this as a way to introduce some of our favorite movies to the kids, and the kids usually pick movies that they enjoy and have seen before. It's been really fun doing this with them. And I think that's a really good point of like quality time and like something that you and I don't quite have yet with our kids because they're younger, and if they're going to pick a film, it's going to be like, well, it'll be the Mario movie for us right now, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I... I uh, the kids keep asking, like, well, when are we, we going to do a movie night? When are we going to do a movie matinee and we've just been so busy. We haven't had time to like fit it in, but I, uh, I really like that approach. I like the movie nights. Uh, the, the, you know, we would, we would sometimes, we would usually do like a, a, either a frozen pizza or order pizza in and, and do a movie night. I really like that. That's a fun sort of, that doesn't even feel like screen time, right? Like to me, like, as you said, Crofton, that really feels like just, just quality time. I think, screen time probably gets a bad rap because most people assume it's just zombie phone type stuff. That's a hundred percent, Ryan. It's, it's the same. And I think that's why I conflated a little bit earlier, like this, this disdain that some people still have for video games, particularly girls in video games um, that people have vis-a-vis screens. Like I live in a very outdoorsy city. People are really big about their, hiking and they're i'm training for a triathlon i'm biking in the gatineau park all weekend and there is a lot of disdain towards screens and screen time and and it's going to be the death of all of us uh often by people who are on their phones all the time um and uh so i i just i i truly think that it's like it's less about the screen and more about what's on it and what you're doing with it uh, and, and who you're doing it with. Like, um, I always wanted my dad to play video games with me when I was a kid and he had zero interest, you know? So like for them, it was an antisocial behavior until my brother started watching me and was really into it. And then they really liked it because it was something that we did together. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's all the way their perception changed based on, you know, the, what they were what they were what they were seeing what parents were seeing and like right now unfortunately or it, there's a lot that parents don't see like if you're if you're on a computer you could be like watching a bunch of streamers and like engaging in different ways with different people and i'm not saying that's necessarily the best engagement i'm just saying that it's something that that parents don't see uh, they see you sitting so they see a child 12 13 14 year old sitting solitarily at a computer their face illuminated with the blue lights or whatever so i mean it is it is always going to be a challenge and you have to kind of sort of know your kid and know what you're comfortable with like i'm clearly comfortable with more screen time than a normal parent is and such as 
you know, such as such as life. Um, I I live with my choices, but I think my I think my kids are are doing pretty good with them. So yeah, but you you know, like you you know your kids, you'll notice a behavior change, you'll notice a pattern change, and and you will adapt as you go. And I think you'll still you'll keep the same opinion that like screen time isn't bad. You'll just adapt to the to the changes because like as kids get older and they enjoy different content and and such like i think that um i also think it comes down like i think this summer will probably be like one of the first summers where where screen time might be (laughs) might be tested a bit but our kids still really enjoy like not screen time not just watching something to pass the time like they want to go outside they want to they want to play video games with dad they want to watch movies with mom you know they 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 want to do a bunch of different stuff um but one thing you and i maybe aren't experiencing as much as derek is uh phones uh our kids having phones and that's a major part of screen time uh one new thing we're working with is that uh each of the kids have a phone my older one has a fully functional one since he goes to school on a bus and we want him to be able to contact us my younger one has an old one that is wi-fi only for at home apple has great parental controls and each of them are limited to 1.5 hours of total screen time on weekdays and three hours on weekends. Each of them blew through this when they first got the phones, but over time they don't do it as much. We also limit what apps are on them and have asked to buy enabled for both uh, so they can't just get anything. Um, and uh, That sounds smart. Yeah. I mean, like that's that those tools are there for you to use. And again, like I, I think like, to, to give Derek credit here, like we, we talked about, you we talked at the start of the email, oh, a half hour sounds small, but like you add all the different screen times together. And I think that kind of adds up to be about what, what we've been talking about is just, you know, you have to, you have to kind of like figure out all the different places they're watching and, and figure out like, okay, what tools do I need to use here to, to make this, this, uh, this work. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I realize you have to challenge your biases too because I was thinking about what do I consider garbage screen time? And I'm like, social media, I consider garbage yeah. screen time. So, I mean, if they're if they're using it for social media, which Derek is like, we have these parental controls, it's not necessarily an issue. But like uh, one thing that I have to challenge myself on is I consider YouTube complete garbage. So whenever whenever a parent's like oh my kids watching youtube videos or a youtube of this thing and like when you say like oh caden's watching a youtube of this ukrainian you know um uh rubik's Rubik's cube Cube solver i'm like you know it makes me it that's when i'm like oh yeah that's right like it makes me confront my bias a little bit because i'm like caden has a passion for this thing it is like there, there there's now a means for him to connect potentially with with people that have a similar passion for this thing and but like i i'm used to i'm used to thinking of youtube as like there's great scripted content designed for children out there in the world and youtube is where you find all the garbage dregs you know like of like like there there i had a friend that 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 essentially watch his kid watch youtube videos of like the Paw Patrol fighting Spider-Man and 
and like all, all sorts of, and it's like a guy or something using action fingers and shitty animation to rip off like multiple properties and have all of them like PJ masks and Paw Patrol team up to fight whatever. And it's all like, you know, poorly voiced by this one dude who's doing like moving figurines and doing all this stuff. And I, you know, that's, I, I see YouTube. It's just like, like, um, a wild west of like you'd want to keep your kids out out of there at all costs you know but the reality is that it's because i don't understand it you know it's i don't think about it enough i use it i use it when i can't figure out how to install something and i'm like there's got to be a youtube training video for this but like none of my kids watch youtube or have ever watched youtube um, and it's just because I don't present it to them as an option. If they want to watch a show, we have multiple streaming services. There's a ton. Like, why would they need to watch YouTube? Uh, but yeah. uh, but I realize I realize that's a prejudice I have more than anything. I I was I was with you there uh, before Caden started getting into these very advanced, uh, like like a three by three Rubik's cube isn't very advanced, but like I couldn't solve it. He wanted to solve it. And I said to him, like, there are ways to solve it. Uh, back in the day, you'd probably go to the library and try to find a, you know, three tricks for solving Rubik's cubes or or some sort of guide. Uh, and we could have done that, but at the end of the day, like, I I think it was like, okay, like, let's see what let's see what's on YouTube. And and the great thing about YouTube Kids is that um, there's no ads. Uh, it's curated content. You you do still have to like you know like yeah if you if you let your kids sit down and watch whatever then yeah it's garbage but in this case it's like he has a very specific want he types it in he watches some cool puzzles and and yeah sometimes it does it does get into the like do you really need to watch this guy talk about a puzzle that you know, you're never going to, you're never going to solve or you're never going to, you're not getting a 17 by 17 Rubik's cube, but like, it is cool. Like it is neat and it gives him something to explore and, and have a, have a fascination about. And, um, but yeah, there's a lot of garbage on YouTube and you, I'm still not like convinced that it's like, oh man, YouTube kids replaces all, all of this screen time, you know, apps and such. I think it is, it comes down to it. It's a, it's a tool to, to use when, when necessary. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think like it's done really well for him in terms of, cause he's, he's a big sponge. Like he just wants to learn as much as possible. And, and, uh, this month it'll be Rubik's cubes next month. It's roller coasters and who knows what July will bring, but, uh, it'll be another fascinating topic. Um, but yeah, I mean, Derek just closes out his email. He says, as always, the podcast is awesome. Thanks, guys. And congratulations on big milestone episode number minus one. So episode 99. Woo. Woo. Thanks, thanks, Derek. We really appreciate those emails. And uh, we really appreciate all the contributions you've made to the show. Um, uh, you Other people write in like Derek. He knows how to do it. And look at all the great discussion we got out of that. We managed, His email led us all the way through our topic this week. Yeah. Um, so uh, next episode, Ryan, is 100. I don't know if we'll have a topic for that one. Uh, we, you, and I can, you and I can discuss it's my topic next time. I already have in mind what my next topic is, but I don't want to 
like I could I couldn't announce it now and then it it's either episode 100 or the one thereafter. What do you think? Or should we wait till we know we're going to do it next? Well, time? I, I say announce it and we'll do it for episode 101 because I feel like episode 100, depending like judging by what we kind of want to do for episode 100, I think it might it might fill, uh, right. fill a full show. So what's your what's your topic idea? My topic is talking to parents and teachers. Uh, so talking to um and and uh, I I wanted it I wanted it to just be talking to teachers, but I recognized like over the past week we had to send an email to other parents in the in one of our kids' class, mm. um, and uh, and you know um, that's obviously not easy. Uh, when do you do that? When do you talk to the teacher? How do you talk to the teacher? How do you talk to your your kid about talking to the teacher? How do you talk to your kid about talking to another parent? When do you intervene? When do you give them the power or the autonomy to do it themselves? Or like, when do you, maybe the, the opposite is true. Like, when do you step in? Like when, like as a parent, um, and uh, so uh, all of that together in in talking, maybe talking to teachers is probably the the, the punchiest way of, uh, uh, of of putting it. But both Ryan and I on the show have had different things like this in the past, and so I think it will be an interesting discussion. So. Keep that in mind, dear listeners. Derek just wrote this great email. If you want to write something, you can email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Tell us how, tell us about a time that you've had to talk to other parents or another teacher and what you did. Uh, and we would love, we'd love to be able to read your uh, email on the show. You can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad slash dad. I mean, now is the time. We're coming up on episode 100, but it's going to be a longer wait, three weeks. You might as well take that extra time to mainline episode 1 to 99. By the time you're done, we'll probably be pretty close to uh, to the three weeks, and then you can roll right into 100 fresh. And you'll be like, ah, I understand that playgirl joke now. You know, It'll make much more sense. Yeah, um, that's like an episode two joke. So I think it might even be an episode one joke. It could be. Have to go. But uh, so uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Croft and Steers. Ryan is at R Murphy. And the show you can follow at DD Cast. And Ryan's been doing call outs for topics and stuff. It's a good way. You can just reply if you want to just do a quick, punchy reply to at DD Cast. Uh, we can read it on the show. All right, Ryan, episode 99 in the books. Next time you and I convene, it will be for episode 100. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great few weeks, everyone. We'll see you in July. Bye, everybody. Oh, Ryan, that's enough screen time for me. My eyes are starting to hurt. <laughs>